Turn please in the scriptures to two openings, 2 Peter 3 and 2 Timothy 2. 2 Peter 3, 2 Timothy 2. We began a few weeks ago on a series we're calling The Way Out. The Way Out. And it deals uh, with repentance. And uh, if you know much about it, you know that's a very good thing. Hallelujah. And it is the way out. In 2 Peter, the third chapter in the ninth verse, 2 Peter 3, 9 said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to usward. You know, that's one of the things I am most impressed with him about is his patience in long-suffering. I mean, the more you learn about it, it is absolutely amazing. I mean, your patience can be shot, gone, and his is barely beginning. It's amazing. He'll say something, and sure enough, it'll come to pass 900 years later. It's amazing. It's amazing. And sometimes you look at other people and you'll think, God, why do you put up with that? Why don't you do something about that? But you better be glad he's that way. Because he's also that way with, with you. <laughs> and me, he, he's long-suffering. Notice this, not willing that any should perish. Say that out loud. He's not willing. That any any should perish. perish. Now that contradicts a lot of teaching and preaching in churches. What do you mean? Well, there's there's a whole lot of folks that preach. And teach some form of Christians are being destroyed in different areas of their life. Their life is being destroyed financially. Their life is being destroyed mentally and emotionally. Their bodies being destroyed with disease. And they'll tell their people that this is the will of God some way. That he's teaching in it and it's his will and his plan. No, no. The Bible has to be true. He's not willing. Perishing Being destroyed is not his will for anybody, anywhere, anytime. Now, it's happening, but it's not his will. Say it out loud again. It's not his will will. that anybody anybody should perish. perish. Man, if you get that locked in you, it'll anchor your soul. It'll keep you from being deceived and believing junk. God is a good God. Do you believe it? And it's not his will that anybody be destroyed. Now, like we said, a lot of people are being destroyed. And there are going to be folks that will be destroyed. We talked about some of this last week. Because they don't take the way out. (laughs) There is an alternative to perishing. 
Man, this is some of the best news you ever heard. What is the way out? What is the alternative to perishing? Read the rest of the verse. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Is it possible that all could avoid perishing? Yes, if all would repent. But is everyone going to repent? No, they're not. And therefore some will perish. But it won't be because it was God's plan for them to perish. It'd be because they refused to repent. Repentance is the way out of perishing. In 2 Timothy, the second chapter, 2 Timothy 2 and 24. He said, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, keep reading. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. What if somebody is, and we all know folks like this, we've been folks like this, that are just causing themselves all kind of trouble and problems. They're their own worst enemy. They're just messing up their life. They're opposing themselves. What do people like that need? If God peradventure will give them what? Repentance. Now notice he describes a big part of repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Repentance involves acknowledging or confessing. To acknowledge something. To admit it. To confess it. If God peradventure will give them repentance. Now peradventure we could say if perhaps God would give them repentance. Repentance is a gift. And God doesn't owe it to us. (laughs) It's not automatic. It's not absolute. It's a gift. And when you think about how precious a gift it is. when, When you're looking at judgment. When destruction is looming and there's nothing you could do to fix it and to get out on your own to have a gift whereby you can repent and the grace of God calls you to be made righteous and you no longer deserve any punishment or judgment. What a gift. Somebody say, what a gift. What a gift. He said, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, keep reading. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. I prayed for a relative of mine just this morning. Hadn't been going to church for years. And they've got all kind of problems financially, maritally, emotionally, major problems physically. They need to get to God. They need to get in church. They need to get their spirit built up. They need to use some of this precious time to serve the Lord in some capacity. How many know this? Their life's passing them by. That's what I prayed for them exactly. Lord, I pray that you'd enlighten the eyes of his heart and mind and understanding. And that you'd give him repentance. So that he could acknowledge the truth. He needs to wake up and realize I need to quit sitting here at home feeling sorry for myself. I need to get up and get to church. I need to lead my family. I need to set an example for my boys. Come on, are you listening? 
He needs to wake up because the devil is just eating his lunch, for lack of a better word. He's destroying him because he's got him in a fog of confusion and self-pity and unbelief and fear. Is there a way out of it? Come on, friends. Is there, and for your friends and neighbors, there's a way out. And you can pray this over them. Say, Lord, I pray that you'd give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare and trap of the devil. Listen to another translation. It says, uh, the NIV says, verse 26, it says that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who's taken them captive to do his will. They'll come to their senses. They'll wake up. The world is in darkness, isn't it? And deception. Aren't you glad? Can you look back and see there was a day when you woke up? (laughs) When you realized, man, I'm lost. (laughs) I'm on my way to destruction. Aren't you thankful that by the grace of God, you were given repentance and woke up? Well, no matter what kind of uh, sin or violation or darkness it is, greater or what you might call lesser, the way out is repentance. Somebody say, thank God. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance. Turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew. Matthew, the 21st chapter. Now, Let me define repentance again. And uh, if you haven't been with us, let me encourage you to get the previous messages. We've already covered a lot of ground. And what we're doing now is built on that. And uh, go back in the back and get you a CD, DVD, go online. It's the easiest, quickest way. Download it. It won't cost you anything. We have a saying around here, no charge means no excuse for not getting it, not having it. It'll help you, I'm telling you. These things are important. Uh, Get them and get caught up and feed it into your spirit. And of course, it's widely known in these parts that everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. If you don't know what that is, go by the information area and um, pick up our bookmark and and read with us the chapter and, and, and find out, you know, people who are ignorant of the word are easily deceived, easily tricked, easily stolen from, easily misled. Do yourself a big favor and get full of the Word. In uh, these words, there's about four main words that are translated repent or repentance in the New Testament. And here's what they mean. One of them means basically to regret, to care afterwards. And 2 Corinthians 7 that we studied talked about godly sorrow. Uh, And he differs it from the sorrow of the world that works death. Another word means we get our word metamorphos, our metamorphosis from. It means to change, to transform. And without going into more detail, these two big words cover it, I think. Regret and reform. You care that you've missed it. You're sorry about it. 
and you change. You haven't repented until you change. Do you know it's possible to come to the front of the church and fall down and and cry for 30 minutes and never repent? It's possible to use up five boxes of Kleenexes and, and five hours of counseling and never repent. A lot of times folks are sorry they got caught. But they're not really sorry they did it and they got no intention of changing. So they are not even close to repenting, which means they're not even close to getting out of their problem. (laughs) I like uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis, a friend of ours. He said, uh, he said, I'm not a pastor. Uh, Don't pastor like I would. My counseling uh, scenario is admit it, quit it, forget it. Get out of here. (laughs) Well, there's something to be said for that, right? Admit it. Quit it. And then don't dwell on it. Forget it and go on. The truth is, a lot of people waste a lot of time counseling. All they're doing is wallowing in the problem and being unwilling and dragging their feet. Modern church folks have largely done away with the S word, sin. <laughs> and folks don't, they don't have sin anymore. That's harsh. People have problems. <laughs> and people are working on it. They're working on their problem. What does that mean? What does that mean? So-and-so's got a, he's got a problem with lying, but they're working on it. What, what does that mean? They're working on it. He's got a problem with adultery, but he's working on it. He's got, what does that mean? He, he had three women on the side, now he's down to one. What, what does that mean? When you say, I'm working on it, what you mean is, I'm in sin and haven't repented yet. And why why does it take so long to repent? Why does it take so long to repent? So I kind of like Brother Jesse's right scenario. Admit it. Quit it. Simple. Well, it's not it's not that simple. It is that simple. It is that simple if you're willing. Quit it. Well, I don't know that I can. You can. You're a child of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't believe this junk, these lies about I can't. I'm trying not to. That's a bunch of junk. We need to quit playing games. And then don't dwell in sin consciousness. Forget it. And go on. Make the most out of, you know, redeem the time. So... Regret and reform sum up so much about this idea of repentance. The literal definition of one of these words is to perceive or to care afterwards. Everybody say that out loud. To care care. afterwards. Afterwards. To perceive perceive. Afterwards. afterwards. Now you'll notice that in this text right here in Matthew 21. Matthew 21 
and 28. He said, what do you think, Jesus said? A certain man had two sons. He came to the first and said, son, go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. Is that rebellion? Defiance? Disobedience? But what? Afterward. Now see, we're seeing a key component of repentance. Afterward, he repented and went. Now what does it mean he repented? Now he missed it. Oh, glory to God. We're making progress now. He missed it by defying his father and saying, no, I'm not going to go. Did he know what the father wanted him to do? Oh, yeah, he's crystal clear. But what did he do? He said, no, I'm not going to do it. But after he said, no, I'm not going to do it, he got to thinking about it. And his heart bothered him about it. And he realized, that's not right. That's not right. So he regretted his rebellion. Right? And he changed it. How do we know he he repented? He went. Went. He didn't say, I need counseling. (laughs) And work on it for the next six months. Y'all pray for me that I do what I'm supposed to do. Why don't you just do what you're supposed to do? I'm telling you, there's a lot of wasted motion and junk going on in churches. And believers staying on the phone with each other for hours at a time and accomplishing nothing. Just all they're quoting scriptures and acting all spiritual, but they're just wallowing in self-pity and hashing and rehashing the problem and not repenting. No change. No change. Somebody say, not me. I'm not going to waste my time with that. Afterward, he repented. Friend, it's not just what you do. It's what you do afterward that matters most. In verse 30, he came to his second and said, likewise. He said, go, son. And the son said, I go, sir. Oh, man. (laughs) Sir, yes, sir. I'm on my way. Some people know how to talk. But it's an empty shell. Nothing there. He said, I go, sir. And what? Is it possible to talk a big talk and do nothing? Full of talk and do nothing. What good is that? Verse 31. He said, which of them did the will of his father? The first one. The one that did what? He got off on the wrong foot. But he wasn't locked into that. Friends, we we are what we've become, not what we have to be. 
We are where we are because of our choices and decisions. But even though we've made some lousy ones and bad ones, we're not locked in to judgment and destruction. There's a way out. Oh, come on, believe it. There's a way out. And it is repentance. It's a gift. If you will. They said to first, Jesus said, Verily I say to you, the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now publicans were the sneakiest, lyingest, cheatingest bunch in town. And of course harlots didn't have a good reputation either. These are not church going people that claim to be righteous. But he said... They're going to get into the kingdom of God before you do. Talking to the religious leaders, the preachers, the priests, the Pharisees. Verse 32 tells you why. He said, John came to you in the way of righteousness and you believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And you, when you had seen it, so they saw it. What happened? What was the big problem? Repented not afterward that you might believe him. That was the big problem. Sin is not what some folks have made it out to be. Some have made out their lists and said this is a sin, this is not a sin, this is a bad sin, this is a little sin, this is a forgivable sin, this is unforgivable sin. A lot of it's the inventions of men. Now we talked about some things last week. If you're interested in it. We talked about a sin unto death. Get it and go through the scriptures with us on it. But. Sin is violation of light. And Romans says sin is not imputed. Where there is no law. The law is light. Paul talked about it. He, he didn't. He wasn't missing it. Coveting. Until he found out he wasn't supposed to covet. (laughs) And when he saw it. Now the Lord holds him accountable. For what he sees and knows. And the thing is. You can't con him about what you see. He knows what you know. He's the one that showed it to you. Right? And so. That's why. Sin is not a cut and dried thing. How many remember James says to him that knows to do good and does it not to him? It is sin. Uh, put that up on the screen for us. That's James 4.17. James 4.17. To him that what? What? So you have to know something. You see something. You know something. To do good. You knew something good you should do. But you choose not to do it. Didn't just say it's sin universally. It's sin to him. To the person that saw it. And knew it. And so that was the problem with these guys. He said the the publicans and the sinners. The harlots. They when they saw it and heard it. They came in. They repented. So even though they got off to a bad start, they wind up in the kingdom. They wind up washed and clean. But he said, you, you saw it. But even after you saw it, you wouldn't repent. 
And that's why they're going to get in the kingdom ahead of you. Did you know there's nobody in hell for lying, stealing, adultery, murder? Not just for that. Because all those sins have been laid on Jesus. And he's paid the price for them. That's not the big problem. It's not just the problem that folks did these things. It's what they didn't do afterward. Can you see this? A failure to repent and to believe. Is there a way out no matter what it is? Is there a way back no matter how bad it was? There is. Isn't it a wonderful gift? What we're talking about. But the reality is that many people will not repent. They are not going to. They will harden their heart. And they will stiffen their neck. And they're not going to do it. God won't make them. And you can't. But it's how you get destroyed. It's how you perish. How many think we ought to be quick to repent? And quick to believe? Quick to change? Quick to respond? That's one thing I like about Peter. (laughs) He had problems with foot and mouth once in a while. Right? And he was a little too quick on the trigger on some things. How many remember when Jesus was washing their feet? And he came to Peter. Peter said, no way, no how. You are never washing my feet, Lord. That ain't happening. And the Lord said, if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. He said, Lord, then wash my head and my hands and give me a bath, right? How many think that's how you need to be, right? Maybe you got off on the wrong foot and said and did some wrong stuff. But when you see it, when you see it, immediately repent. When you see it, don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Immediately repent. Go with me to Acts chapter 5. Man, the Lord's helping us today. He's helping us this morning, isn't he? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Master, for feeding us, helping us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In Acts chapter 5, let's begin about verse 1. I tell you what, back up to the previous verse. What's the last verse? Back up about verse 32. There, chapter 4. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Is this talking about the church? No doubt. Believers. Keep going. With great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. Keep going. Let's just keep going through all the way down to the fifth chapter. There's nobody that lacked. They sold their houses and lands. How many believe these were as precious to them then as ours would be to us today? Certainly, certainly. And yet they were so full of God. They were so full of the Spirit. They were so full of love. They were liquidating huge things and putting them into the kingdom and into people's lives. You know, that is a characteristic of Spirit-filled people. They are free-hearted. Keep going. Verse 35. 
They laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made to every man according as he had need. Uh, Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, the son of consolation, verse 37. He had land. He sold it. He brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. These, Ananias and Sapphira, are part of the church. And they kept back part of the price. Ananias did, his wife being privy to it. You know, it's interesting, the same word that's used, if any two of you shall agree, is used here. About Ananias and Sapphira were in agreement on this. About lying about how much they got for the land. And they brought a certain part, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Let's just stop. Do you reckon Ananias was a believer? Peter knows him. Calls him by name. He didn't say, who are you? Have you been to the altar? You need to get saved. No, no. Ananias and Sapphira are part of the church. They've been coming. They've been attending they at some time point back came, gave their heart and life to the Lord. Probably filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. And he said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back part of the price of the land. Now, did they think they could get by with this? Why would they think they could get by with this? Well, because they know that the apostles don't know everything. They're around them enough to know. And no leader knows it all. I don't care how spiritual they are or how they're used in the gifts of the Spirit. God doesn't show you everything. Notice the gifts of the Spirit. Word of knowledge. That's not even a paragraph. (laughs) A word is a fragment of a sentence. And that's how the Lord gives us revelation. We can know things supernaturally, but we're not going to know everything about everybody. We're going to know just a piece of something. And so they knew that. And so they thought, well, maybe they won't know this. But they were wrong. The Spirit of God revealed it. Verse 4, whilst it remained, he said, was it not your own? After it was sold, wasn't it in your own power? In other words, who told you you had to give it all? So why are they doing this? Pride. Pride. Other people like Barnabas got attention and got acknowledged for coming and sowing these big seeds. Selling his land. Maybe this land had been in his family. For some time, I don't know, but he sold it and gave all of it. And everybody heard about it and knew it. And so they want to be in the spotlight. They want people to see them and notice them and talk about how spiritual they are. What big givers they are. But it's not really their heart because when it comes time to part with the money, (laughs) it's just too much money to put all of it in the church. But instead of just saying, here we want to give an offering to the church. 
They wanted the attention. They wanted the accolades. So they said, we're giving all of it. And they lied. He said, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. His spirit left his body. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. How many think uh, lying to the church folks was cut way back? (laughs) Right? For a while. You could be out buying some lumber and, and they, they think about uh, lying about some the deal and, and somebody go, remember Ananias? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is how it really is. And, uh, how many think we need that reverence today yeah. in the things of God? Yeah. And the stronger the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, the more we will see it. But at the same time, here we got people falling dead. Church members. I want you to notice something. We've been talking about this through the course of this. Grace didn't prevent them being judged. Even though their sins had been laid on Jesus. How many understand this is this side of the cross. Same side of the cross we're on. Even though their sins had been laid on Jesus. Yet. Grace did not prevent them from being judged. And they're believers. Christians. Why? We've already said it numerous times this morning. Why would that be? Because of a failure to repent. Back up. Back up to the uh, third verse. Peter said, come on, put yourself in this situation. Ananias comes. His wife's not there. Don't know exactly why, but she's not there yet. In fact, she didn't show up till hours later. <laughs> Maybe it took her a long time to get ready. I don't know, but <laughs> he's there, and he's he decides not to wait for her. I mean, I don't understand that either. I mean, if me and Phyllis was sowing a great big thing, I I'd want to do it with her. But uh, he can't wait. He wants the accolades. He wants the attention. He wants it all for himself. He wants everybody to go, ooh, did you hear what Ananias did? Mm-mm. Man, he's biggest giver in the church. Look at what he did. And uh, when Peter looks at him, put yourself in Ananias' shoes right now. You come, you hatch this plan. And Peter looks at you. And he calls your name. Bob. Susie. Keith. How is it the devil has filled your heart. To lie to the Holy Spirit this morning. Does anybody know what time it is now? (laughs) Come on help me out. What time? It is time. To repent. And I mean. Now. Remember we're talking about, it's not just what you do. People act like when somebody misses it, that's the biggest thing. It's not the biggest thing. It's what? It's what you do after you miss it. That's the biggest thing. Whether you repent or whether you don't. 
To repent means to regret and to reform. But that requires humility. And this is a big part of his problem anyway. (laughs) Could he have repented right here? Could he? Could he have hit his knees and said, oh, Lord, you're right. Oh, Brother Peter, forgive me. What was I thinking? So stupid. Forgive me. Do you think the story could have turned out differently? We know it would have from numerous scriptures. But he he didn't. He stood there tight-lipped, stiff-necked, hard-hearted. And that's how you fall dead. That's how you get judged. Because if you won't judge yourself, then you can get judged. Verse 6. Young men arose, wound him up. How many know lying will wind you up? (laughs) And they carried him out. (laughs) And they buried him. No joke. Lying is about the worst thing you can do. If you don't believe that, don't take my word for it. Put your nose in this book. God hates it. He hates it. The devil invented it. It's the devil's native language. And it is one of the most devilish things a man or woman could ever do is tell a lie. How many noticed it's impossible for God to lie? Verse 7. And about three hours later, in comes Sapphira. Not knowing what was done. Now think about this. They're burying her husband. She don't even know he's dead. <laughs> they didn't even ask her what color casket she wanted. I mean, nothing. <laughs> Apparently they didn't have a service for him either. No songs sung. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm telling you, lying will wind you up. So She came in not knowing what was done. Verse 8. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Now let's just stop right here. Why didn't she just fall dead when she walked in church? The Lord is giving her an opportunity. Isn't he? Can you see this? To do what? Repent. Repent. Repent involves acknowledging that you did it. Confessing that you did and caring about it in your heart and being willing to change it and make the change right now. He said, tell me, did you sell the land for X amount of money so much? What do you think happened when he looks at her? Why is he even talking to her? Why is he calling her out? This is in front of the church. Why? What kind of thoughts and feelings do you think came to Sapphira? Oh, no. Right? Oh, no. Tell me what time it was. Come on, help me out. But you begin to see why what happened next happened. Because same thing. She stands there, tight-lipped, pride fully intact. 
Why? Because it would be the thing they want is the attention of the church. And it would be so embarrassing to have to stand up here and admit that you lied about this. And you didn't have to. And nobody told you to or asked you to. You were so full of pride and glory seeking that you made up this story and lied to the man of God. And Peter said, you didn't just lie to me. You lied to God. Is that true? That God takes it personally when we lie to those that represent him? Apparently. He said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, that's right. That's the correct amount. (laughs) Somebody say, big mistake. Peter said, how is it that you've agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of them which have buried your husband are at the door. They just got back. (laughs) Three hours. That's pretty quick, isn't it? They, They hauled him out of there. They dug the hole, they buried him, they covered it up. They're back, three hours. Didn't want to miss the rest of the service. (laughs) But they got back just in time to get number two. He said, the feet of them that have buried your husband are at the door and they're going to carry you out. She finds out right now her husband is dead because of their shenanigan they pulled. Can a Christian sin? Can a Christian be judged even though grace has already provided complete forgiveness and cleansing? Yes. And what would be the reason? What would be the It's not just making a mistake. It's not just messing up. What would be the reason? A refusal and unwillingness to repent. That's what will get you judged. That's what will get you destroyed. Verse 10, she fell down straightway immediately and yielded up the ghost. Her spirit left her body. Now, I I think it'd be going too far to say Ananias and Sapphira were lost. Look in 1 Corinthians 11. Hold your place here. Look in 1 Corinthians 11. And down near the end of the chapter, about verse uh, 29 or so. First Corinthians 11 says, verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. How many think that's a gift? That's a wonderful thing. Is there a way to avoid judgment? What is it? Judge yourself. Well, you have to humble yourself to do that. Admit you were wrong. Admit you were dishonest. You lied. You were unfaithful. Whatever the case might be, acknowledge it. Admit it. Verse 32, but when we are judged, we're chastened of the Lord. Read the rest of the verse. That we should not be condemned with the world. I expect you'll see Ananias and Sapphira in heaven. Because if they were born again, they were born again. And this judgment was not about them saying they didn't believe in Jesus anymore. Are rejecting him like we talked about last week. But they were made an example of. Because of their despising the holy things. I mean how many understand. The church is having a real move of God. 
I mean God is moving. And people are selling their precious things and bringing them and putting them into the church and the things of God. Do you believe this is holy to the Lord? This is precious. And they stand up and mock it. And then when given the opportunity, refuse to repent. Well, that's serious business, isn't it? And it's demonstrated by the serious consequences. But I believe even in judgment with a believer, especially like that, there's mercy. And that in the end, they won't be condemned with the world. And that kind of thing has happened more than one time. Go with me to the eighth chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 8. Let's see another example of a believer and a situation. But thank the Lord it turned out differently. Acts 8, 14. Now let me back up, let me back up. Verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. The people with one accord gave heed to the things that Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed. Many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. There was great joy in the city. I guess so. But there was a certain man called Simon. Who before time in the same city used sorcery. And bewitched the people of Samaria. Giving out that himself was some great one. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying. This man is the great power of God. This is an indication of something that is not God. It magnifies and glorifies the man. Emphasis. When the Holy Spirit's in manifestation. He glorifies Jesus. Keep going. To him they had regard because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. And they were fooled because they hadn't seen the real thing. But now they saw the real thing. And it's different. They believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus Christ they were baptized men and women. Simon himself believed. Is there hope for sorcerers? Oh yeah, sure. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip, wondering and beholding the miracles and signs which were done. So is Simon saved? Is he born again? Well, certainly the Bible said he believed the gospel and he was baptized. If he's not saved, what about you? (laughs) Certainly he's born again. He's a believer. And so he follows now Philip wondering and seeing these miracles because, see, he's been a a shyster, smoke and mirrors guy pretending to do miracles. And you know this would appeal to him seeing the real thing. Oh, man, you know his eyes are wide open. He's probably taking notes and writing down, watching everything. And so verse uh, 14 the apostles that were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria received the word of God. They sent Peter and John when they were come down. They prayed for them they might receive the Holy Ghost. As yet he'd fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he came to the apostles and tried to give them money. 
Just because you're born again doesn't mean you're very smart. <laughs> and doesn't mean you know much. Just because you've met the Lord doesn't mean you know much about him. And when you get born again, your spirit becomes a new creation. Not your mind. Not your body. And so when a person's born again, they are new on the inside. But then begins the lifelong job of renewing your mind. So that you begin to think more like he does. Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered him money. And he said, give me this power that on whomever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Spirit. See, he's still wanting to abracadabra. He's still wanting to wapo zappo. And instead of pretending, these guys are really doing something. They're laying hands on people and power is coming on them. And they're being filled and he knows it's real. And they're speaking in tongues and he thinks, i got to have this. And so in his ignorance and ungodly thinking, he says, uh, I got money. And I'd be glad to give you, tell me how much you need. And give me this power. So that when I can lay, he's not, he's not trying to buy the Holy Spirit. He wants to minister to people and them receive the Holy Spirit. And verse 20, Peter, (laughs) again, Peter said, your money perish with you. You and your money too. (laughs) Now let's back up. God's not willing. But you will perish if what? If you won't repent. Your money perish with you because you thought the gift of God may be purchased with money. Keep going. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Can you be a Christian and yet your heart not be right about something? Absolutely. What's the solution? Repent, he says, of this your wickedness and pray God if perhaps, we've seen that before, the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. God doesn't owe us repentance. I perceive you're in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. What does that mean? He used to be the big man till they came to town. Now he hadn't heard anybody say, this man's the great power of God. Since they got there. He's been overshadowed. And nobody's paying attention to him anymore. So his heart wasn't right. Again can you see it's basically the same thing. Ananias and Sapphira. Wanting to be seen. Wanting to be noticed. Wanting to be important. It's a devilish thing saints. We need to die to it. Don't we? It can get you in serious trouble. Simon said, pray to the Lord for me, that none of these things which you've spoken come upon me. Did he fall dead? No. For all we know, ten years later, he was pastoring a church. I said, for all we know. 
Why? When he heard these words, can you see in his heart that he repents that he said this and tried to do this? You don't respond in this way. Is he acknowledging he was wrong? He is by his response. He's saying, oh, please pray for me that this don't happen to me. Is he willing to change? He is. And so you don't see judgment and you don't hear anything about it later on. And the thing is, I mean, this guy's a sorcerer previously. He's got a lot of junk, a lot of baggage. And yet, in looking at the Word of God, it is amazing how far people can go in evil. And yet, when they repent, how merciful God will be to them in receiving. It really is astounding. And I want to give you two examples real quick. Have you got time? One, go back to the Old Testament with me real quickly. First Kings 16, 30. I want to tell you about a man named Ahab. (laughs) If you hadn't read about this, you may not realize What a mean man Ahab was. The Bible said Ahab, the son of Omri, who became king, and of course had all the resources to be mean that others didn't, he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. He broke records (laughs) doing evil. It came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. He took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. He reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab made a grove. Ahab did more To provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And they had pulled some stunts. You talk about messing up. You talk, you know, what happened after this was the drought. You remember when the man of God prophesied it's not going to rain? The drought came. It was because of Ahab and all the evil that he was leading the country in. Judgment was coming. Chapter 21 and 25. 21-25. So there was none like Ahab. He was in a class by himself. Which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. They were in agreement together. He did very abominably in following idols according to all things as did the Amorites whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. He did all the stuff that caused the previous Nations to be driven out from the land to start with. He did it. But the word of God came through the prophet that judgment was going to come on Ahab. And his house and the land for all the evil that he had done. And I want you to notice verse 27. It came to pass when Ahab heard those words. That he rent his clothes And he put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted 
and lay in sackcloth and went softly. What's he doing? What's he doing? He's repenting. Now I guarantee you, a lot of us would have said, he's too evil. He he needs to go to hell. (laughs) A lot of people would never have forgiven him. But verse 28, the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, seest thou how Ahab humbles himself before me? Because he humbles himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days. But in his son's days, I'll bring the evil. And if you read the story, it's because his son was as bad and worse as he was. But because he repented, judgment was put off. And he didn't experience it. And the land, because he repented. Somebody say, oh, the mercy of God. Why did it happen? Why did it happen? Because he humbled himself and repented. And believe it or not, there was another guy worse than him. His name was Manasseh. And like I said, he's even worse. Go to 2 Chronicles, the 33rd chapter. 2 Chronicles 33 and verse 1. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. How long? That's a long time. And notice what he did with all that time. He did evil in the sight of the Lord like the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Um, I don't recommend you do it, but back when I was in Bible school, I did a study of some of these uh, cultures and practices of the Canaanites. Man, they did stuff you never heard of. Bizarre, evil, twisted stuff. Stuff you don't even hear about it much nowadays. You don't want to hear about it. And it tells us that he's doing everything they did, even though he's supposed to be leading God's people. He built the high places. Hezekiah had broken down. He reared altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped the host of heaven. Now they had services, Baal services, and they weren't like church. They weren't like our services, I'll tell you that. Bizarre, evil, twisted stuff. Four. He built altars in the house, in the house of the Lord to false gods. Do you reckon this angered the Lord? Five. He built altars for the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. I mean, the Lord's house was full of idol altars. He caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the sons of Hinnom. That means he burnt babies alive. If you read other accounts, you see that the Lord said to him that they were his children. That he was burning alive. Now let me ask you, how tolerant would you be somebody burn your baby alive in the fire? How forgiving. He used enchantments. He used witchcraft. He dealt with a familiar spirit and wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He said, carved image, the idol which he made in the house of the Lord. Keep going, verse 9 for time's sake. He made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do worse than the heathen, whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. 
If you read other accounts, it says that he shed innocent blood very much until he filled Jerusalem from one end to the other with innocent blood. He's killing innocent people right and left indiscriminately. He doesn't care who he kills. Innocent, innocent people. Do you believe he's evil? He's evil personified. He's full of evil spirits. He's a murderer. Cruel. And the Bible said, verse uh, 11, verse 10 rather, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not hearken. They wouldn't listen. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. So the enemy came and defeated this nation and people, and they took Manasseh personally, didn't just kill him. They put him in chains and drug him back as a trophy. Verse 12, and when he was in affliction... He besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Does anybody know what's going to happen next? Somebody say, surely not for this guy. Not for a baby killer. Verse 13, and he prayed to him. Manasseh prayed to the Lord and the Lord was entreated of him and heard his supplication. Can you read these next words? And brought him back to Jerusalem and put him back in his kingdom, in his place. Restore, got him out of captivity, put him back in rulership. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. I should hope so. <laughs> I've had people look at me and say, I tell them, you know, just come back to the Lord. He'll take you back. And I've had people look at me and go, Preacher, you don't know what I've done. I bet it's not up with this guy. I hope not. Right? And not minimizing these evil atrocities because innocence suffered. And it's awful. And it's bad. But never underestimate the mercy of the good Lord. It's not just what you did. What you did might be evil. It might be awful. What Ahab did. What Manasseh did. I mean it was evil beyond limits almost. And yet. When they humbled themselves. And fell on their knees in their face. And admitted their atrocities. And asked God to forgive them. He heard them. Oh somebody say he heard them. He heard them and he received their prayer and he forgave them and he restored them and he spared them from judgment that was looming over their heads. Somebody say, oh, the mercy of God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise you, Master. Let's lift our hands and thank him for being so kind. So merciful. Altar workers, would you come to the front? Oh, praise you, Lord. Come on, let's praise him and thank him for being so kind. So merciful. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.